0: The scripture is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and you can find it in the sermon notes. I've inserted a sermon note for today, so if you can follow along, it's sort of a colorful uh, sermon note that I'll be referring to in the sermon, so uh, please follow along in that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, this is God's holy and inerrant word. we're sealed with a promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is God's holy word. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the Lord's Day, that we can gather together as your people, not only as individuals, but as the family of God, as the people of God, gathered from different backgrounds to come together as one in Christ, united in Christ, and united to one another by our faith and union in Christ. We thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. We pray for this congregation. We pray for the churches in our area that you would use us, Lord, that you would magnify your name. You would help to spread the gospel in this area through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just as an introduction, uh, my name is Pastor Billy Park. I'm the pastor at Grace Pres- uh, Grace Community Presbyterian Church, and um, Pastor Young is a good friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends. We both uh, came to Atlanta area about the same time, about 12 years ago, and uh, we've been friends ever since. And um, so this is a, a church where not only the pastor and many of you I've known for uh, many years uh, through our, just the, our relationships with KFPC and different situations or other churches that I've seen some of you guys. And so this is a, a friend's church. So I'm, I'm friends. You're like family and friends. And uh, not only that, we have a institutional connection as we are both part of the PCA, our denomination called Presbyterian Church in America. And the the presbytery, a Korean Southeastern Presbytery that both our churches, are part of. Not only that, we are both uh, predominantly Asian American, second generation Asian American slash Korean American, multi-ethnic slash multi-ethnic church. And uh, we have that in common. And just as a word, and this is not part of my sermon, it's really part of an introduction, but um, when people ask me, what kind of church are you? And we go, oh, you're a Korean American church, Asian American church. The way I explain it is that We are a bridging church. We're trying to bridge between two cultures, sort of the Korean culture or whatever Asian culture, whatever culture you might be in, your particular culture, and sort of the wider culture. We stand As Asian-Americans, we stand between almost two worlds. And so we're trying to be a bridging culture and balancing a sense of belonging, because we feel a lot of times homeless. And so we need places where we can feel a sense of that home, belonging, where you don't feel like you have to explain everything about your background. Where are you from? Are you new here? And so feeling that home, belonging, uh, but yet at the same time to have a mission. And that's a really tension between churches like ours where we can get sort of comfortable in our hominess, you know, to the degree that there was, you know, our church has been pretty small most of our four years of existence. And one person in our church, you know, I, I think she was saying it as a compliment, but she's like, oh, I wish we don't grow because it's so cozy. <laughs> and, you know, if we don't grow, we're not fulfilling the mission. So there's a, there's a balance between that at-homeness and being on mission. And that's a balance, delicate balance. Each church might, you know, balance it a little different, but... Um, those are the two things that are always in tension for churches like ours. Uh, and ultimately, our sense of bridging church needs to be a maturing church to grow. And part of why uh, both your church and our, our church, we kind of came out of the ethnic church, you know, Korean churches, uh, in order to not to be just independent. But if you just want independence, I tell you, you will fail. You have to want maturity. And if you target to be a bridging church, to be a mature church, and then since we have a lot of people who went to the missions conference, that's why I'm here, because some of your people and your pastor went to the missions conference, Global Missions Conference of the PCA, and we had 14 people from my church go to the mission conference, so when I go to my church on, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, 3.15, you know, more than half, about half of our people won't, won't be there, all the singles won't be there. <laughs> because it's all the singles who went, plus Pastor Eddie, one married person. I was going to go too, but, and I was going to invite Pastor Young to speak at my church, <laughs> but he went, and so someone had to stay back, and I was the one who got left behind. So I became the sender. But our churches really need to be a missioning church. You, know, there's, you can use missional, mission-minded, kingdom-minded, but to the degree that we, we are a bridging church, a maturing church, and really in order to be a missioning church? How can we reach our generation? How can we reach this area? How can we move forward? And so these are really important questions for both of our churches, and uh, it's, a, it's a privilege for me to be here with you guys. Um, like I said, you guys are part of our family, part of our friends' network, and we hope to work together with you for many things, uh, softball included, and other sports as well. <laughs> Someone shaking their head, no more softball. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it was uh, fun, fun doing that. All right. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 4, 14. Um, it is the longest sentence in the Greek New Testament. It has 202 Greek words, The English Standard Version, the version of the Bible I use, um, has 244 words in five sentences. I broke it up into, it looks like paragraphs. These are not paragraphs, but it's just, I spaced them out in three parts because I wanted to show you this three-part structure. But in fact, in the Greek, it is one long sentence. It is a long, run-on sentence. But in this long sentence where, The reason why Paul is not putting a period is because he is praising God, and he doesn't stop praising God. And this lavish, run-on sentence is mounting how worthy of praise God is, because he can't stop. And in this one sentence is three uh, recipients of this praise, the Father, God the Father, the Son, the Beloved, and the Holy Spirit. Now, in fact, this is a Trinitarian formula. In one sentence, there is three persons. And in fact, if I was to argue with a Jehovah's Witness, this would be one of the passages I would go. Why does the author, this divine author, or Paul, and he's not the divine author, but divinely inspired author, Paul, why does he in one sentence praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? In one sentence. And it alludes to this Trinitarian formula. So if you look at this, it is rich with theology, starting with the Trinity, predestination uh, about uh, the identity of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, about the work of the Holy Spirit are all touched upon in this one sentence, And in fact, I told my church, and this is a sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago for Reformation Sunday, so I'm plagiarizing myself, I'm quoting myself. But I I told my church that I could preach on this passage for one year. I don't know if I could, but it was a nice thing to say. (laughs) But I, I do believe I could if I had to. Just preach on this passage for one year. So who is the Father, who is the Son, who is the Holy Spirit? You can spend a few months just on that. Why is he worthy of our praise? What are the spiritual blessings? There are eight or nine spiritual blessings that we have in Christ in this passage. Go to each one of those things. What is predestination? What is the glory of God? What is our role? What is man's work and what is God's work in our salvation? All of these things are in this passage, but it's not a theological treatise but it is a praise song. Songs are not just melodic, it's poetic. And so he le- leads these songs to praise God. So it's theology that leads to doxology. Doxology means praise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's doxology, praising God. Doxa means glory. Glory. Logia means words, words of glory, glory or praise to God, right? So theology is words about God. Now, if you only have words about God, you talk about God, but you don't praise God, your theology is deficient. And I'm a reformed person. I'm a PCA pastor. I believe in theology. I I love being reformed, but if you're reformed without doxology you're not truly Reformed. If you're Reformed without being humbled by the theology to praise God, that's not to be biblically Reformed. And you see, the note here is that there is this rich theology that leads to a doxology. It leads to praise. And there are five things I want to point to you in this passage. And and there, if you notice here, there are like... um, different kind of fonts. I mean, no, actually, it's all the same font, but there's bold, there's italics, there's underline, there's red, there's green. There are five things. There are five different ways. Well, there's six if you do the plain text. Okay, so five changes to the plain text, which are my own emphasis, trying to point you to something that's in the text. First, the bold. Blessed be God, And Father, God and Father, God the Father. Why does he say God and Father? Well, is God only Father? The Lord is Jesus Christ? Well, why in this one sentence the praise be to God? Aren't we supposed to praise God alone? Why does he also praise Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Remember the equality with God. Is Jesus worthy to be praised? Paul's answer, yes, is the Holy Spirit worthy to be praised? Yes. Shouldn't God only be praised? Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinitarian formula. You see this three times. To the praise of his glory, which he, has, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So if you look at blessed be the God and Father in the beloved. Praise. So you, you see that at the end of each of these sections, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, three times. With the first part, God the Father, second part, the beloved, the Son, Jesus Christ, and then the last part, the Holy Spirit. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you see this Trinitarian structure to this uh, one sentence, this passage. Secondly, you see This passage, the praise to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is Christocentric. It is in Him. And if you look at the little note on the bottom here, in this uh, 202 Greek words, you find six times in Him, in Christ, three times, through Christ once, in the beloved once. So all totaled 11 times a reference to in him, which is in Christ, the beloved Christ, the Son, the beloved Son. And so in this one place from beginning to end is, the, is Christ-centered. This, this g- g- glory to God, how do we praise God? We don't just pray, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How do we know of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It's referenced in the Old Testament, but until we meet Christ in the Bible, clearly, we actually don't understand the interpersonal relationship that is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So to understand the Trinity, why do we need to understand the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because of the Son. Because of the Christ. How is Jesus man and God? How does he pray to God and still is God? And we won't understand that until you understand the Trinity and Christ's identity is linked. So here, the second part is, in Christ, at this point, passage is Christocentric in him, the repeating of that phrase. And all the blessings that we have, the number three is the blessings. We have these spiritual blessings. And if you look at the chart, it has Christ in the center with uh, eight spokes going out. And uh, I added another one that says holy and blameless and that could be another spoke, or eight or nine spokes that go out. Like we were chosen, we were adopted, we were redeemed, forgiven. We, we know the mystery of the gospel. We have the inheritance. We were sealed. We were predestined. We are holy and blameless before him. All these things are the spiritual blessings in Christ. So in the triune God, centered on Christ, in our union with Christ, are these spiritual blessings. And look at all these blessings. They have nothing to do with health or wealth. You know, I hate to say it, though, right? But a lot of us, when we go to church, when, we, when we're practicing our faith, we can't help but think about some of the practical things. You, when, you, when you pray, I mean, sometimes you say, Lord, help me to do well in this test. Prestige. Lord, we're having trouble paying the rent. My friend is sick. Now, these are, these are right things to pray about. But if you are only praying about physical needs, you are missing the point. Every one of these blessings have, I'm not saying they have nothing to do with physical need, but they are spiritual blessings. Our greatest blessings in Christ Our spiritual blessings, our identity in Christ that brings us to God. And why is this important? You know, for our church, you know, we can say, Asian American church, you know, we have, wow, I wanna be around people like us, we wanna do stuff together. There's a lot of physical reasons, practical reasons why churches like these are needed and work together, but there's a danger there's a danger of only focusing on the physical blessings. Or if I were to say, the sociological blessings. Oh, I got people my age. I got people close to me. The blessings in Christ are spiritual. And like I said, I can probably spend a half a year talking about these spiritual blessings. What does it mean to be Chosen and adopted and redeemed and forgiven and knowing the mystery of the gospel and, and knowing our inheritance and being sealed with the Holy Spirit, being predestined. But all those things are not explained necessarily in this as much as celebrated to make you say, you are blessed in Christ with every Spiritual blessings. And this is according to the purpose of his will. So if you look at the underlying portion here, in verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. In verse 11, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of of his will according to his purpose. So this is according to God's will, God's purpose. I don't know if there's another passage of Scripture that has so much sovereignty of God in it. If you read this passage and do not become a Calvinist, you have something wrong with your hermeneutic. It is in fact probably the most calvinistic passage of scripture that I can I can find. And it is in fact probably the best verse to lay out one of the rally cries of the reformation solely deo gloria. Solely God or alone Deo those are both in the dative so they Match each other. To God alone be the glory. Glory to God alone. And this is what this passage is teaching us that the praise for our salvation, the praise for who we are as a Christian, belongs to God. God gets the credit, God gets the glory. God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the reason why where we are. It is the five, the fifth sola of the Reformation. And so we just celebrated 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nails the 95 Theses, begins the Reformation. And what that is is you know, There's a lot of history behind that, but it was a recovery of the biblical gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel, if you look at the sidebar, is the good news that God saves sinners by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, all to the glory of God or glory to God alone. Sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus, sola scriptura, soli Deo gloria. These were the rally cry or the battle cry of the Reformation. And so they call these the five solas or the sole, more proper in the Latin, of the Reformation. And so this passage really lays out that the work of salvation is god Alone. But number five, then what do we do? Do Don't we do anything? Yes, we do something. Actually, it's in this passage. It's in the green. If you look at the green, and maybe I could have added in verse uh, 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, so what do we do? We hope in Christ. How do we get to hope in Christ? Because we were, we heard the word of truth. So in verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We hear. We believe. We hope. Hope. What are you you supposed to do? Repent of your sins. Believe in Christ. Hope in Christ. How do you do that? You have to hear. That's why we come here. That's why we center the worship on preaching. Because faith comes from hearing. Putting yourself in a place that you can hear the truth. You know what's the sign that God is at work in you when you have a desire to listen? Whether I wanna I want to hear God. You know, have you opened your Bible and you go, I don't want to really listen? And you do it just as a discipline. Something's wrong. Something's spiritually wrong. And you need to fight for that. You need other people to help you. And I go through that too. You become very spiritually dry. But you know when you know the Spirit is at work within you? When you have a desire to hear, you want to listen, right? Because that's God's work. He opens your ears. And Jesus says, let those who have ears, let them hear. So are you placing yourself in a place to hear the Word of God, to hear the Word of truth? Do you hunger to hear? Because when you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and Believed in Him. So believe in Him. And so this passage, the longest sentence in the Greek New Testament, 202 run-on sentence, praising God for His spiritual blessings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the work of Christ that brings us the spiritual blessings according to his purpose, that he works in you as we hear and as we believe and as we hope in him. This is Soli Deo Gloria, SDG. The famous composer Johann Sebastian Bach, at the end of all his compositions, he wrote those initials. S-D-G, glory to God alone. Handel, what's what's his first name? I forgot his first name. The Messiah guy. Is it Friedrich Handel? He also, I don't know if he copied Bach, but he also would write S-D-G on his compositions as well. Now, whether these men truly glorified God or they just used these initials, you know, my, my Wi-Fi password, or not password, but my Wi-Fi used to be called, I mean, SDG, <laughs> Park Home. <laughs> but Soli Deo Gloria is not only a historic rally cry, but it's a great phrase for us to live our lives in Christ to the praise and glory of God for the rich blessings that he has poured upon us. And the, and it really brings us to the place that theology, the things that we learn, the truth that we learn, should never stop with learning. But its end purpose is worship, is doxology. And I hope Christ's covenant Presbyterian Church and Grace Community Presbyterian Church will glorify God individually as we live our lives but together as churches your church, our church our end goal is not just to be comfortable not just to you know, find our own home but our ultimate goal is for a higher purpose. It's not about me. It's not about if I get well-fed or if I'm finding a home. Those are important. I'm not saying they're unimportant. Ultimately, we seek to live our lives in a way that God gets the glory because it is from Him and to Him and through Him that He brings all things to bear in our lives. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, um, we live our lives, we can't help it, Lord, but we live it selfishly because that's our nature. We, we think it's all about us. Uh, we care about what we eat and what our family eats. We care about our family's home and our home and our comforts, our purpose, our entertainment. But Lord, you have made us not for ourselves, but you have made us for yourself. That our hearts are restless until we rest in you, until we know that it is in when we delight in glorifying you, that way we truly find what we were made for. That this is the purpose to the praise of your glory and grace. And so may we live with the proper view that we worship a triune God who in Christ has poured out every spiritual blessings according to the purpose of your will and as we hear the word of truth and as we believe and as we hope in Christ may we live our lives to the praise of your glory solely deo gloria to you alone be all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.